Randy Cantrell here with another episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. The headline, and it's from a number of years ago, but it it got my attention. The value of owning more books than you can read. Oh, okay. We got to know more about this. I was reminded of a Bible verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 12. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive study is wearying to the body. Welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Glad that you're here. Appreciate you clicking play. Thank you very much. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. If you go back a number of episodes, you will learn that I purged the vast majority of the books in my life, and books have been a big, big part of my life. The writer of Ecclesiastes is completely correct, by the way. The writing of many books is endless. I don't know how many books are published every year, but it's got to be a phenomenal number. I suspect that with the advent of Kindle and digital formats, that it has exploded because well anybody can write a book now wasn't always the case the article that i came across was dated october the 22nd 2018 and i'll put a link in the show notes to the episode it was found over at bigthink.com and i just i just found it interesting now i had read the book the black swan have you read this book The Black Swan, The Impact of the Highly Improbable. Uh, The author's name is Nassim Nicholas Tlaib. And it's a a really good book. It's a really good book. He had written in that book the idea about an anti-library. An anti-library being books that you have. it's, It's less about being pretentious. I think some people could see it that way, that you just have a lot of books and you you have people over and they just assume, man, look at look at the big brains on him. I mean, look at look at all these books. In the book, uh, there is a a gentleman, Umberto Eco, personal library, with a staggering thirty thousand books, thirty thousand books, and of course. As most of us would, if if you happened to go to Umberto's house and you saw his vast library, well, you would assume, well, man alive, look at the big brains on Umberto. I mean, I, I just feel like a piker, um, but he would be one of the first to admit no, haven't, haven't read them all. Haven't read them all. In fact, he calculated that if he read a book a day every day 
seven days a week between the ages of 10 and 80, he could only read 25,200 books. <laughs> well, he already had over 30,000. So he easily had more, more than a, a lifetime of books. I just, I just find kind of the concept interesting of having a library with no real intent to read them all. And yet I completely understand the value of titles being lined up in a library. And the author of this article points out what I know firsthand to be a, a truth. Just, just looking at some of these titles can remind you of how little, you know, about various things. That wasn't the case for me because I'm looking at titles that I hadn't read because, well, my library wasn't that crazy. Um, between 1500 and probably 1800, give or take. Uh, and I had, well, I, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'd read them all. Now that doesn't mean that I read them word for word. I'm the guy who would stick with a book and frankly get hacked off because I stuck with it like through six chapters and okay, well, I'm going to give chapter seven a chance. I'm going to get, and it just was worthless <laughs> mostly. And I'm like, I've got so much it, sunk cost. It was just pure sunk cost. It was like, I've got so much time invested in this thing by now. I mean, I might as well just finish the stupid thing. Uh, I learned over time not to do that as I got older and I don't mean old, older, but I mean, as I got more into mature adulthood, and it's probably somewhere in my mid thirties, I, I learned, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of scan. I'm just going to kind of speed read. And if this thing doesn't get my attention, then, then I'll bail. I'd love to tell you that that didn't happen with any of the books that I had in my library, but I would be lying to you. It, it happened. And frankly, it happened more frequently than not, it was probably 15, it could be 20 years ago. Now I remember having a conversation with somebody about reading and I remember asking this person, and this would become a question I would ask other readers. When's the last time that you read something that really had a, that really had an impact on you? I mean, it really, it really made a difference. You'd be surprised how many readers just look at you like you've asked them the impossible question. It's not that there's not some good books out there. It's not that there aren't some good ideas out there, but very few books written, certainly very few books that I have read just man, just hit you. And it's man, that's awesome. That's magnificent. I got to thinking about the books that do you reread books? Cause I would do that. I would catch myself doing that. And over time, what I did is I caught myself re rereading a book that was in many ways outdated. Some of the things and some of the references would be outdated, but the overall material just stood the test of time. And that would be what, what I would go back and reread the article cites Talib, who wrote, we tend to treat our knowledge as personal property to be protected and defended. It's an ornament that allows us to rise in the pecking order. So this tendency 
to offend Echo's library, this man who has 30,000 books, to offend Echo's library sensibility by focusing on the known is a human bias that extends to our mental operations. Well, I do know that we, we do tend, we absolutely have this bias that the well-read person, they're smarter. Well, I think they can be. Do you have anybody in your, in your life and they, they are constantly citing books, you know, just in normal conversation, they may say, well, uh, you know, author so-and-so wrote in such and such book. I, I don't have, I don't have the memory or the capacity for that. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by people that that's just kind of the, the nature of the conversation. And I've long wondered, okay, are they doing that to impress me with the fact that, that they've read that, or are they doing that to impress me with the fact that not only did they read it, but they remembered it. And I don't know. I, I have gotten much more fixated on creation than I have consumption. That includes ideas and thoughts and books and podcast and most anything else. Don't get me wrong. I love books and I love consumption. I love to, I mean, come on, we're sitting here talking about an article that was written on October of 2018 entitled the value of owning more books than you can read. And I'm, I I'm reading this article and I'm discussing it with you. So I'm, I'm clearly discussing consumption and I'm interested in finding out what other people know but I'm not so fixated on it to perch myself in a library surrounded by books. And I've, I spend all of my time reading books. Now, the interesting thing is this gentleman who is described in the book, the black swan. And I don't have firsthand knowledge. I, I, I haven't read anything. I don't know anything about this man, but he is described as a prolific author and scholar. Okay, that's fine. I'll take, I'll take Talib's word for it. I don't, I don't doubt it, but it makes you wonder, okay, if, if it's going to take, if you, if you read one book a day, which you're not doing and in a lifetime between the ages of 10 and 80, you would consume over, you know, 25,200 of these. I mean, when pray tell, are you going to write? When pray tell, are you going to prepare <laughs> to write. So part of this is just, you know, human capacity to, (laughs) I mean, we, we, we gotta have time. We have to have time to do profitable things, worthwhile things. The anti-library, um, they cite a New York times author, Kevin Mims, who isn't wild about the anti-library label. He says, I don't really like Tlaib's term anti-library. A library is a collection of books, many of which remain unread for long periods of time. I don't see how that differs from an anti-library. I don't disagree with him, by the way. Now, there's a difference in a public library and a personal library, I guess you could argue. But I like books. I believe in books. Uh, I have been surrounded the majority of my life by books and I've got no regrets. I also got rid of most all of my books, save a few that were important to me. And I don't regret that either. 
And I will tell you that I'm at a stage of life. I don't plan on going back. I will never again surround myself with shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves of books. I'm just kind of over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to read and I'm not the guy who is in love with Kindle. I'm the guy who's in love with the physical form. I'm a guy who's in love with the paper and the tactile. I, I, I like, I like physical books, but the ease and the convenience and the lack of physical space that it consumes in going the digital format is just for me now is just too overwhelming, way too overwhelming. So unless it's a Ballard street book, I just got a month or so ago, I got the latest, which will, according to the author will be the last in the series of books by Ballard street, uh, the Ballard street cartoon. So when you're dealing with art or you're dealing with something, you know, that's highly filled with illustrations, filled with photography, that kind of stuff, then I would rather, certainly I would rather own the physical, even though some of those are available in digital format, the value of owning more books than you can read. Number one, are you a reader? I don't mean, you know how to read. I mean, do you, do you, do you regularly enjoy reading? And I don't care what it is. I know a lot of people who are voracious readers and yes, they, they may read romance novels. They may read uh, crime or mystery novels. Um, you know that I don't care. I do think that there is something worthwhile with the craft of reading. I, I love language. I love communication. I love words and it's, it certainly has had a big impact on my life. So do you feel like I'm betraying? Am I betraying the thing that I have, that I have loved? Am, am I opting out now and turning my back on something that once played a very significant role in my life? You know, in every endeavor, there are hounds. We call them book hounds, book hounds. My definition of a book hound, they're just collecting books to collect books. And I know a, I know a number of people, especially with religious books, that they're just book hounds. They, they live to have a library that's better than everybody else's. And there is that fear of missing out phenomenon, I think, of having volumes and volumes and volumes filling shelf after shelf after shelf after shelf and being, you know, having a really impressive library. Absolutely is true. I, I know I know people who, who are that way. And then I know other people who they read and they read and they read and you know, but I, I don't know that they've got that much of a library because they kind of churn. They kind of churn their library. These used bookstores, I don't know where you live and what's available around you, but we have this chain of stores here in the Dallas Fort Worth area called Half Price Books. And half-priced books, virtually every all their inventory is used inventory. And I know some readers, and they are notorious about getting a book, reading the book, and when they get the book, they part with it. They're not interested in assembling a library. They are more interested in consuming the book. They're more interested 
in the case of many of these people, admittedly, they are more interested in reading the story. They're more interested in hearing the story, learning the story, and then they're done. They're done. And, and they don't hang on. Now I have done that through the years with a number of books. So the 1500 plus or so that I gave away, these were not books that I just, these weren't the totality of books that I assembled or books that I had read. These just happened to be the ones that I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to hang on to that one. Now I likely I'm guessing at this. I likely kept 60%, you know, of the books that, that I would buy, but I had already given away probably before I purged this last time of 1500 books, there were probably another thousand before that about 10 years ago that I parted with and I donated. So I would say at its highest level, I probably had around 3000 books. I didn't have 30,000. I probably had about 3000. And I would say that that probably represented about 60% of, of all the books that I bought. I'm guessing, um, but I'm kind of fond. I'm kind of fond of, of, and pardon me if I'm dubbing them incorrectly, but it's just my frame of reference and my experience, you know, the romance, the romance novel reader or the reader of various mystery series, um, murder mystery or, or mostly works of fiction. These seem to me, from my experience, to be people that are notorious for grabbing a paperback. This is pre-Kindle days. Well, even now, I know some people that much prefer the whole tactile experience. Getting a paperback, reading that, just you know, grinding through this thing, dog, dog-earing pages and not caring about necessarily the shape it's in, and then when they're done go take it and part with it. And if they get a quarter, they get it. They don't care. They're just, they're not keeping it. It is not going to reside on a shelf or in a box. It's not going to be in their house anywhere because they I read it. And they kind of seem to view it a little bit like a, a TV show. You know, well, I watched it. I saw it already. Well, you liable to want to watch it again. I don't know. Maybe people do go back and reread some of those, but I don't, I don't firsthand know many people who do that. Uh, they read it and they're done. I kind of like that. There's something about that I like and frankly wish wish I kind of would have done it. What's your relationship with books? What's your relationship with reading books? What's your relationship with owning books? Do you find value in owning more books than you can read? And maybe a better question is do you find value in owning books that you don't read, that you haven't read? Maybe maybe even books that you don't intend on reading. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it. I, I, I really don't. I have read for insight. I have read for knowledge. I have read for wisdom and I have read for story. And I'm increasingly kind of flipping the script to where some of the things that were on the more of a back sh- burner for me, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, through the working career, reading for story probably wasn't up at the forefront. Reading for story is increasingly more important. And the weird thing, here's a weird thing. I hate business parables. I have never liked the business parable. So for somebody that loves story, 
It's like, okay, well, I'm going to put this business idea and I'm going to put it in a parable form. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not even, I am so not interested in reading it. Um, they're popular. I don't dispute their popularity. And speaking of popular, I don't dispute that there are going to be who knows how many more books written over the course of the next year or the balance of this year. Lots and lots and lots of books are written. One of the problem with books, and it's the same problem that you have with a TV series or with a, a movie, is okay. Well, is it worth is it worthwhile? So you kind of you rely on reviews and you rely on word of mouth and this that and the other. And sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's worthwhile, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're in the mood for that particular thing, and sometimes you're not. One of my biggest gripes with my reading habit is the investment of time in something that doesn't pan out <laughs> and I'm desperately just trying to extract something from this thing, uh, that, that I can take. And I got to tell you more often than not for me, and, and I'm a voracious reader for me more often than not, that was the case. That was the case. I am pleased and I'll end on this note. I am pleased with the shift in what has happened in culture Thanks to the internet. I am pleased that basically anybody now who wants to be an author can be an author. And I'm rather taken by some of the authors who only publish on Amazon Kindle and their works are 99 cents to $3 and 99 cents. And some of them are producing some, some pretty terrific stuff. And there's some incredibly successful authors who are doing that. I'm fascinated by that business model and I'm fascinated by their, their ability to be so prolific to, to crank out things that frankly are just pretty good. And in many cases, way better than something that's going to have a hardback. That's going to have a, a retail list price of twenty nine ninety nine. And it's like, okay, I, I kind of like this disruption and I kind of like the sharing, uh, the sharing of ideas. It does make you wonder what the future of books is going to be though. Doesn't it with all of the video and all of the online content that is available, have books, have books become outdated? Are they now obsolete? Is there any reason, is there any reason to have a book now? And is there any reason for these books to be, to exist in a physical form? The physical form of a book still takes at the very least months and months. And you've got to wonder, is that worthwhile? Is it just worthwhile? I don't have an answer for that. I'm thankful that books serve the purpose for me that they did. I'm thankful that I'm entering this new chapter of my own book that I'm writing the book that's called my life. I'm glad that I got rid of the books I got rid of. I don't, uh, I don't miss them yet. I honestly don't suspect that I ever will. So for me, the value of owning more books than you can read, I would add to that. I would question the value of owning books that you've already read, but that's just me.
I don't know. There's just, there's something about the art of reading that I just, I just enjoy. I wish I had the brain power to fully understand that. Somebody smarter than me, I'm sure has, and they've probably written a book about it, (laughs) but I haven't read it. (laughs) So if you know about it, pass it on to me. What have you read that you just, it, it had a profound, and that's the word I've always used. What book have you read? I don't care when you read it. I don't care how old it is. I don't care how new it is. What book have you read that had a profound impact on you? And let's exclude the Bible. Other than the Bible, what book has had a profound impact on you? I can hear the wheels turning. Those of you that are out there and you're readers. Well, if you're not a reader, you didn't even listen to this episode. Hard to answer, isn't it? Keep giving it some thought. Shoot me an email. Let me know. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. Books are ancient. Many ideas are ancient. A whole lot of wisdom is ancient. But we're going to give it a go. Try to lean into wisdom and lean away from our own foolishness. It's the whole goal here. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Studio.